Spectre. Welcome to School of Movies. You had no authority. None. Mexico City. What were you doing there? I was taking some overdue holiday. So what's going on, James? They say you're finished. What do you think? I think you're just getting started. Magnificent, isn't she? Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds. A few little tricks up her sleeve. Do one more thing for me. What do you have in mind? Make me disappear. Tell me where he is. He's everywhere. You should go there. You're crossing over to a place where there is no mercy. You're protecting someone. Get away from me! Why should I trust you? Because right now, I'm your best chance of staying alive. This organization, do you know what it's called? Its name is Spectre. And do you know who links them all? Me. Welcome, James. You came across me so many times, yet you never saw me. What took you so long? Welcome back to our James Bond shows. If you look back in the feed, you'll find a trilogy of episodes covering the first 22 movies and six James Bonds, with myself, Mr. Gary Blower, and Mr. James Batchelor. A couple of weeks ago, after a break of four years, we covered Skyfall with Alex Boucher, James's co-host of the Bond and Beyond podcast. And this week, Gary Blower of the Game Burst podcast returns to chat about the 24th Bond film, Spectre. And if you want to hear what James and Alex think, their podcast will, I'm certain, be available pretty soon. They were very excited to see it, so that's Bond and Beyond. Go subscribe now. But here's to us, as Jules said. Thank you so much, Gary, for returning. Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to, to talking about it, because I... I've only person I've really spoken to about the film who's seen it was my wife who was there so right what does she like with you and Bond because obviously every year she's like I guess we're watching all the Bonds oh, again oh she loves them oh she loves them okay. oh yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bless bless you mom. um so now to start us off I've gone through the first 20 Bond movies that's Connery to Brosnan and I personally found at least one element per movie which was given a wink or a nod in some fashion at some point throughout Spectre I'm wondering if you two can do the same you don't necessarily have to have what I've got written on this piece of paper but I'm interested to see if you can like tie any together so we'll start with Dr. No and bear in mind some of these may not have been intentional but some clearly were so anything that occurred in the original Dr. No which in some way occurred in this uh, he's wearing in the jacket. He's wearing the Doctor No Chinese collared. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that was also the. Um, uh, the wasn't that the Donald Pleasance Blofeld? He wore he that had? as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, that that's good enough. Sharon, you got anything from Doctor No? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. No. Jiggling titties. Um, <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down much. <laughs> what I've got on my. Yeah, oh, hold on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought of another one. Is yeah. the carnival. Oh, yeah, good point, yeah, carnival. I've got summoned to meet the big boss. That that whole thing about sitting down, having dinner, and then, you know, 
I'm going to... They're given rooms and the outfits, and that whole sequence of meeting, then death trap, as in I'm going to put you in an easily escapable situation involving an elaborate and exotic death. Doesn't he trap Vespa... Sorry, Honey, and uh, but not Bond, and then Bond gets her out of that drowning chamber. It happens in Doctor No. Uh, then there's a shootout, and then the whole base explodes. So basically, that's the, the the Bond formula, like right there, back in the original one. Sure. I mean, there's lots of Bond formula ticks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you'll see in a second. I was just um, thinking the carnival scene. I was thinking of was actually Thunderball, where he gets okay. chased. Um, but but yeah, okay. So there's a Thunderball one for you. Okay. Um, from also it felt like the silver wraith that car was special for some reason I'm, I'm not sure if there's if any bond fans can tell us why that there's some relevance to that but uh yeah fleming included i mean i've not read a great deal of his books but living where fleming lived mm. there um he yeah, i don't know if you knew he wrote chitty chitty bang bang uh, ah. and he had an obsession about cars so lots of his bond books and lots of his non-bond books feature famous cars from Particularly earlier periods, sort of the twenties and thirties. Yeah, he was big on those. So I think I suspect that is a named vehicle from gotcha. a Fleming book, but I couldn't tell you which one. It uh, the fact that they so painstakingly said this is a silver wraith, even like the the piece of music uh, on the soundtrack is called the silver wraith. I thought maybe it was the same car as um, Goldfinger, because um, yeah. that was a that was a old ass looking vintage. Well, car. it was a that was Rolls Royce as well, so mm-hmm. um, it could well be the same vehicle. Um, from Russia with Love, there's a fairly overt one, this one. Uh, well, there's a train fight. That's the one I got. Okay, right. Um, uh, Goldfinger? Uh, I think there's a few. Obviously, the car. Yep, that's uh, what I've got. I, I think, think maybe the, the other car I thought was a Goldfinger reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the torture scene is, uh, you know, basically everything after Goldfinger. That was, like, yeah. compulsory, you know. No, yeah, I expect you to die, that kind of thing. Um, there's probably more. Well, there Goldfinger was... very much established that formula as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thunderball, you mentioned the carnival. Carnival, yes. There's a carnival where Bond is he's shot in the ankle, if you remember, and he's chased oh, yeah. by, I can't remember her name now. But basically, well, that, that whole opening scene, the, the, the Mexican uh, Day of the Dead scene, was like the inverse of that. Yeah. Uh, Thunderball, I've got also the liftoff out of the, uh, the Aston Martin when he's uh, at the end of that car chase. That uh, sort of, woo, and he's up, and then he comes back down, and then he sort of like carries on walking, like, poof, and I'm done. Uh, yeah. Very much like the jetpack scene. And, of course, the, the Spectre meeting in which a man is killed. Yes. Uh, you only live twice. Uh, well, obviously, uh, Blofeld. Yeah, Blofeld's uh, facial scarring in particular. Spacey, yeah. Yeah, his fa- yeah, his facial scarring is exactly the same. Big, big uh, base in the middle of nowhere that looks like uh, it's got a crater. Yeah, all that <laughs> volcano. On Her Majesty's Secret Service? I think the very ending. Mm, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, definitely... Kind of telegraphed like, uh, quite heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to talk. We'll talk about the ending later, actually, because that's uh, very much going to impact on what's going to happen in the next one. Um, I also am going to add the ski resort setting. Oh, yeah, you know, when, sorry. When yeah, they absolutely. go there, and it's uh, it's like a clinic for people who are Dr. troubled. Swan. Yeah, where Doctor Swan is. Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole scene with the ski lift as well. Yeah, uh, was um, the same. And, uh, and technically, after he's knocked the wings off it, he's like he's barreling down the mountain in what appears to be a, a luge. Uh, diamonds are forever. This one's a really strangled one for me. Well, I guess. Well, it's got the pussy in it. Exactly. <laughs> Blofeld's cat and its sodding diamond necklace. Uh, live and let die. Uh, the whole um, 
voodoo uh, tone of the, the day carnival. Of the thing, yeah, was, all of that yeah. skull mask stuff was very live and let die. Yeah. Uh, Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, this one's this one's not actually in the film, but if you stayed for the beginning and the adverts, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, the uh, the pawn, the pool the pool yeah. party and the Carlsberg advert. Yeah, uh, is it Carlsberg or Heineken? Oh, one of yeah, the two. Heineken. Well, that's Heineken. a brilliant advert. If, if you can't even remember that name, it's I remember Fizz to me. King Heineken when he was uh, in Skyfall, miserable. Yeah, when he's depressed, it kind of good advert for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Spy who loved me. Uh, well, I think Jaws. I think there's an overt. Yeah. Nod to Jaws in I'd it. I'd agree. With, Both uh, the villain and the way the villain is dispatched. Indeed. Uh, the uh, Moonraker. Think of Holly Goodhead, not at all panicking. And what were they on? Well, pretty much oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The cable car. Cable car shenanigans with yeah. uh, Ben Whishaw as Q. For your eyes only. So there is also a, oh, yeah. a cable car type scene there where he's queuing for the ski jump and the two villains get in and follow him and oh, one of them yeah. is wearing the same hat. Yeah, that immediately leapt out at me. The, the guy that got in and sat opposite Q was wearing mm-hmm. the same hat with a little feather in it. Uh, mine uh, is a more symbolic one. It's uh, Melina in Fioras only is uh, looking for revenge for the death of her family, and she's protected by Bond. So there's, yeah. there's that. But that's already been done in um, more recently with Craig in Conrad yeah. uh, Solis and Camille. Yeah, <clears throat> Octopussy. I think we've. Well, there's a ruddy, great, big octopus all over the intro. Oh, yeah, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, View to kill. There's no airship. Mine is Bond has bits knocked off a vehicle he's pursuing baddies in. Oh, yeah. Strangled again. Yeah. Uh, strangled again, the uh, secondary Bond girl's curse. The Living Daylights. Oh, God. <laughs> the Living Daylights. Um, oh, this one's easy. Uh, vehicular chase through the snow. Snow, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I mean, that's in so many Bond movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the world is not enough. Um, License to Kill. Uh, at the very beginning, Bond has a little tiff with M and License Revoked. You can't oh. be Bond anymore. Bye. That seems to happen in all recent Exactly. Movies, it does, yeah. And that is one of the problems. Goldeneye. Um, hmm. I suppose it's it. It's a villain from his past. True, technically, it's a personal villain. Um, I've got bursting through a big shed in most of an aeroplane, much like the tank when he does the uh, yeah. chase. Actually, I did. I did read a, another uh, com- review online. It was talking about the Rome chase, saying that that was very, very structured, very similarly to the tank mm. chase mm. in St. Petersburg. I, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Uh, also, his exploding watch breaks the capture and t- uh, tension and precipitates the blowing up of the enemy base, exactly like in Goldeneye with the exploding pen. Yeah. Uh, Toronto never dies. This is more of a just what Blofeld's doing. The villain manipulates the superpowers with careful, carefully orchestrated. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a he's an informa- yeah he's an information broker. The same, isn't he? Is Elliot Carver? There's no news. Like it was. News. Yeah, that's kind of. I guess we talk about that, but that was <laughs> that was kind of a letdown. All yeah. this scheming was just so he could be an information broker. Oh dear. Okay. The world is not enough. Um, Bond porks a grieving widow. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. Bond porks a grieving woman afraid for her life because Electra King was the daughter of the man who was killed in, yeah. uh, in that film. But that He's happens like, oh, so yeah, I'm frequently. sorry about your dad. I'm still going to fuck you, though. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and uh, Die Another Day, gadget-filled car chase. 
Yeah, I wasn't as bad as that. I don't think anything will ever be as bad as that. Yeah, no, I think everyone considers that in- I think we'll ex- an all-time I think, actually, if anything, they made a parody of that. Yeah. So we'll let them off. Uh, it, it is, however, and this will come up as, as, again, risky parodying yourself. I think both Mendes films have done that, though. Yeah, but, uh, okay, right. we'll, we'll see if uh, Skyfall, on the whole, uh, succeeded better than uh, Spectre throughout. So let's look at uh, the absolute best elements of this film. What struck you while you were watching? Um, so basically, just go back to when you were watching it and pick out your favorite bits. Uh, Sharon, if you want to specifically talk here as well, because um, I think when we came out, you were a lot harder on this than I was. Mm, this is true. I, I, it started very strong for me, I have to say. The opening sequence um, began very well. It's, that was straight out of Hitchcock. Mm. Great big seven-minute single take. That's yeah. straight out of his book. Oh, that was um, spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- yeah, I think that was. I think everyone who's seen who's seen it um, and stuff I've read online that seems to be the most memorable thing about the film, which mm. is kind of in some ways kind of worrying, but yeah. um, also highlights the fact that that was a, just a brilliant. Uh, brilliant opening sequence in fact one of the bomb podcasts i listen to they've dedicated an entire podcast just, just to that, that opening. sequence wow. Yeah. wow not being able to study it frame by frame on blu-ray as well uh, the sense of urgency about it i thought and and with it being that one big um single shot uh it really felt as though they were going for a, a strong sense of immediacy and and sort of action from the very set off which mm-hmm. obviously the traditional opening bond sequence makes perfect sense um, but um, but I was very impressed with that. Uh, also, I was kind of uh, surprised when the helicopter started veering out of control towards the people. Bond doesn't usually get involved in stuff that have a, has a lot of innocent bystanders, does he? No. It's, it tends to be a couple of people, and uh, like if he, you know, he'll run through people uh, on you know that aren't directly in danger, but very rarely will there be something that could actually cause a, a, a terrible terrible accident. That doesn't seem to be his province. No, I guess because the main character is always indestructible. Yeah, uh, it's a way of bringing tension to the yeah. to the scene by putting other people in jeopardy. I actually thought that there was a possibility while I was watching it. Could it could it be that Bond falls out of the helicopter and survives, but it crashes and kills a lot of people, and that's an international incident, and he's to blame? And I, I started to get really like oh god like so that was extremely well done mm. for me. i think that again something that's been alluded to before that he's um ended up accidentally um causing near international incidents but he's supposed to be older now and have learned his lesson on those counts and mm. and so i suppose it, it would have implied if that was going to happen or if you've got the fear of that happening again that you are concerned that he's maybe not quite got a grip on what's going on yeah I uh, I enjoyed the whole subplot around uh, Mr. White, and mm, mm. Um, I thought actually the way that in which his daughter is kind of um, stitched into the story, I thought was quite was quite clever. And uh, where they go with that is a different question. But yeah. um, I just liked the, I did like the fact that they used him really to tie together all the other Crayfields. I think one of the things we've moaned about before is that particularly with Skyfall, there was a hope that that would kind of close off the 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 three 
act story of Quantum, but it yeah. didn't, did it? It kind of, if, did a, it was like a side story, if anything. If anything, um, uh, Quantum and Casino Royale are, are a, a, an unusual example of a Bond pair. Yeah. Uh, and now with the the ties back to M and and uh, they they reference Silver enough, and and the whole, you know, the plight of MI6. This feels like a two parter with Skyfall. Yeah. Which obviously. Un- again, un- very unusually, is going to have a knock-on effect into the third film. And th- th- there are there are three options with the third film, but we'll we'll come to that in, uh, later yeah. at the end. But uh, but they, they've they've kind of got to reference this one. They can't just have Bond back on <laughs> back to doing his thing. Mm. No, it's going to put them in a difficult situation if this does turn out to be Craig's last one, though. Indeed. Are they going to etch a sketch, or are they going to make reference to them being the same person? Can we can we talk about that one at the end? Because yeah. that's exactly mm. what I've I've got thematically to discuss there. Go 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 back to the things that were best about the film. Um, well, like I said, I think that aspect. Uh, I, I liked her. I liked the the uh, character of Doctor Swan. Um, although I think towards the end she's kind of uh, turned into a bit of a sideshow. But I like. I, I certainly liked the, what they did with her uh, up until. That, that sort of uh, end point. Um, I always felt um, one of the things I thought about uh, Christoph Waltz's, although he's he's used very sparingly, mm-hmm. I did think uh, up until the point he got the comedy scar, he was he felt incredibly threatening, which you can't always say for for some of the villains we've had. I mean, Silver oh, was no. very good, yeah, um, but some of the other Bond villains. I'm mean, going to think back to Dominic Green in Quantum of Solace. He never really felt <laughs> scary. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the bit where he went mental with the fire axe, but yeah. uh, every but that, other bit. That was, was more like a lunacy rather than just incredibly intimidating. And I thought his performance, particularly um, in the scene, you know, the kind of the classic um, long table scene and yeah, the, yeah. the first scene where he he greets Bond at his secret lair. I thought his, his screen presence was, was incredible. And I I kind of feel they kind of dropped the ball a bit, a bit after that. Oh, that applies to so many things in this. Yeah. Um, But uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, Christoph Waltz, I was really looking forward to seeing how he pulled off the traditional Bond villain. Um, And I think his gift in playing, um, threatening characters is that he has this immense sense of control mm. um, I mean as you say that the the issue with Dominic Green was he never really did anything particularly scary and then at the end he just went completely off the deep end yeah. um, whereas with uh, Blofeld he he is very restrained and well for the first two-thirds yeah. two-thirds that he's in um, but um, yeah there's there's always this sense that that he does have this master plan that he knows what he's doing and he never comes across as particularly violent in and of himself but Mm. you get that very strong feeling that he is holding so many strings that all he's got to do is tweak one of them and somewhere your dog gets shot or something you know he can do very threatening things without really having to move much yeah definitely Mm. i want to Um, add extra props for jesper christens and the uh, guy who plays mr white because it's effectively a thankless task basically turning up as the sort of sneering sub-villain the middle manager yeah but um i i felt for him in this this his final scenes and there was actually a moment where we had a buffoon in our audience uh when you're a kite dancing in a hurricane yeah goodbye and then he shoots himself this guy just went and i just I had to shout in the dark and went, oh, fucking fuck! <laughs> Just with my mouth. <laughs> Seriously, sir, you are emotionally stunted if you thought that was funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the only time he did that either. Yeah, no. There was a, a I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think he went, Go on, my son. That's some really like I think it was like Bond was it, it was rapiest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe actually. I think he was like when Bond was making a sleazy comment or something, he was like, Yes, that's the Bond I want. Mm. A total knob end. Anyway. Bit of a worry. I was um, say the, the other sort of overall thing that I was really, really pleased about as a kind of fan of the entire series really Mm -hmm. was the fact that we didn't have navel gazing um introspective bond um and it kind of told you we were going to get that right from the start because it actually opened with the with the stroll on yeah um and the gun barrel sequence which kind of said right okay this this is a bond film this is okay you're going to need to lay down what navel gazing introspective bond what's a perfect example of that that skyfall (laughs) staring at his glass or playing with scorpions um you know because effectively he did that in casino royale he did it a little bit in quantum of solace um when um um is it um Matthias, Mathis, Mathis got killed. Yeah, Mathis died. He certainly did it a lot in Skyfall when he was, you know, depressed and and. Wow, those are some of my favourite Bond bits. I know, but they're not. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. But they're not. They're not. They're they're good because they're novel. Yeah, but I don't yeah. want that becoming a yeah, feature. That's very the, true, actually. If you keep jabbing on the introspection button every time. Yeah, and like at the end with with, with uh, I agree, but you, you can only play that card so many times. You know, like you know, they did it in their Majesty's Secret Service, and they've they've done it on odd occasions throughout the series. And when it's yeah. when it's done well, it's poignant. But we've had three films that have kind of done <laughs> dealt with that, and we needed something that kind of went back and said, let's just you know let's just make a a, a good action packed. Bond movie, and we'll try to make it half sensible at the same time. And I think, in that respect, it was successful in that it, it made an A to B via C classic Bond movie in the Daniel Craig mold. Gotcha. And that doesn't mean it's without its flaws, but I do feel it. It kind of it sits up there with some of the better films in the series in terms of having, you know, uh, uh, a, a kind of action packed you know i think i think like the living daylights i think that's probably a good comparison to this film in the, mm. the living mm. daylights was a decent bomb you know a good decent bomb they're up there in some of the best of the series kind of petered out towards the end lost its way but it was at the end of the day it was a bomb film it had a start a middle and an end and that was it and it wasn't so much just the, enough emotional hook to make it yeah. not quite feel mm. cookie cutter it's exactly sure. Sharon, you said that this had what Quantum of Solace lacked and vice versa. So could you explain that one? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I was mainly um, sort of looking at it in terms of the the characters um, in that Blofeld, or, well, Christoph Waltz specifically, was the villain that Quantum of Solace utterly failed to materialise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in terms of... Uh, Camille and um, Madeline. I think I, I found Camille to be a much stronger character. Um, while I did, I I kind of liked Madeline. I, I thought the um, the actress Leia Sadu. Sadu, yeah. yeah. Um, she was very appealing. She performed the character very well. But I did find the way the character was written to be quite thin. Hmm. And it, it was almost like they were—they really wanted to, to make something of her because obviously she was going to turn out to be quite significant. But I think they muffed that a bit because you, 
I think it was it was in the the setup of who she is. They have a conversation about the fact that she is very capable and she knows how to use a gun and she can take care of herself. She then proceeds to not show any of that for the entire film. I think she fires the gun four times. One and of then them, Bond actually dispatches the guy. And yeah. then and both times when she it looks like she's going to be doing something sort of in her own defence, she gets knocked out within five seconds. And, and, and don't forget kidnapped. Whisked off and kidnapped again. <laughs> She's basically pretty strong and and feisty up until the point where Bond basically beds her, and then from that point yeah. on, she just turns into she just turns into <laughs> window <Samson>. dressing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> All her power was in her virginity, <laughs> so it would appear. But um, um, but they continue to her reinforce hotel, that purity by dressing her in white throughout the entire film. Her um, drunken hotel scene in particular, I liked. Yes, because yes I agree. Absolutely, real her in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, what, what was it? I said she, she uh, gets very drunk and passes out fully clothed, then wakes up later on somehow in white frilly slip. I'm not entirely certain how that happened, whether James changed her in the night or she well, they both actually have woke this up magical and changed tra- her clothes. But. They both have this magical travelling wardrobe anyway. They do, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful stuff just appears These from suits nowhere. from GQ that magically appear from nowhere, yeah. Absolutely. I did like how uh, when Bond woke up and the rat was there, who sent you? Mm. Yeah, but um, but I think the the um, I mean Camille as the the comparative Bond girl I would say is much more appealing to me, and I would have preferred to see somebody like that in this role, considering what the other strengths of the film were around it and the fact that Quantum completely lacked them. Um, But also, I think what I was very frustrated about was the fact that they had Monica Bellucci. She was right there and she's on screen for about three minutes. And I really liked her character and I really liked the route they were going with it. And when there was all, all the marketing material about her being in it, I kind of had in my mind that she was going to turn out to be this big overarching villainess. And that would have been awesome. And then it didn't fell that. Yes. So I was, oh, that's terrible. That's sexist. She could, <laughs> she could have been Blofeld though. Wouldn't that have been awesome? That though? would have been very interesting. At one but, point uh, I did yeah. think if, Fucked Blofeld. <laughs> I thought they were going to throw that one in there, you know, the right at the very end. I thought they were going to throw that in there that it was actually her all along. And I that thought, would please, have been please. an awesome twisty ending. Oh, I'm not so sure because that would have kind of been like, um, world is not enough. There is, oh, true, yeah. True, but no, I really yeah. like the way Electric King turns out. I, do, I agree, but I didn't want yeah. them to do it again. I was in there thinking, no, please don't do that one again. <laughs> there's, there's a man who disagrees with you, or we'll hear from him in a second. Um, the. The bit at the beginning when M says, you know, find this person, uh, kill him, don't miss the funeral. Uh, and it's like a message from the, uh, from the grave, from his, uh, his dead mentor. Um, it, it felt like he was going to go off hunting Horcruxes immediately <laughs> afterwards. I was like, oh, okay, we're in Harry Potter territory. That's fine. That's good. Um, and it was, it, it was great to see MI6 taking part again, albeit in a diminished capacity. It was, it was like they were like, look, we've got to have something for Money Penny to do, so let's have him call her. And then we've got to have something for. I mean, M fortunately got a bit more to do. Mm. But it, the introduction of C, Andrew Scott, dodgiest guy in the world, there is a point. Didn't he make uh, a perfect we, politician, though? Can, we can't really spoil Sherlock, can we? I really don't like that actor at all. Do I didn't not? like. I hated him in Sherlock. I mean, okay. I, in fact, <laughs> let's not spoil Sherlock for people I'm who haven't seen Sherlock's I'm gonna, brilliant. But yeah, I'm yeah. not going to mention what he is in Sherlock. He does in Sherlock, but yeah. I, another thing I'm quite uh, into is Sherlock Holmes. So I kind of read all the books and and oh, the Granada TV series is the Are they best. leather bound. 
I do have a I do have a leather bound uh, <laughs> like uh, one with all the um, strand uh, pieces in it. But in your M office, uh, it's a bit of a messy office, but yeah, oh, right. it's just full of ball games instead of books. Um, oh, okay. But uh, I, yeah, I hated him absolutely. Hate. He ruined Sherlock for me. I'm not oh, saying really? anything else, and okay. I really don't like the actor at all. And when he okay. appeared in this. It was just well, so yeah, it, blindingly it obvious. <laughs> I, mean, I actually half expected it to be, actually, I'm Blofeld. Yeah. Because that would have been a nice misdirect, but not much. Because there's a point when he's standing, the Bond standing between him and Voldemort. And it's like the only person who could, who could basically be more dastardly is uh, Richard Roxburgh from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. turns up and goes, this is I. But uh, yeah, spoilers. Anyway, so... Yeah, it was it was nice to see uh, uh, Q being a bit more active, but uh, but it did feel a little bit tokenistic. Um, the elegance and the epic is still there. The Roger Deakins had gone on to other films, but um, the cinematographer. Let me just uh, double check that one, unless you guys know. I did look it up. I can't remember what it was now, but he's got a good another. He's another one who's got a really good. Yeah, fantastic. Wasn't as, I don't think it was as sumptuous to look at Hoyt van Hoytma. as Deakins, but then nobody nobody can do Roger Deakins. <laughs> oh, uh, this uh, chap has done Interstellar, Her, and Let the Right One In. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that the specifically the breathtaking sequence for me was uh, when he uh, goes to the funeral and then um, uh, meets Monica Bellucci there. Just the, I mean, I am a sucker for beautiful symmetrical yeah. um, shots with, uh, especially if they've got the shiny cars in them, <laughs> and kind of a, a, a uh, you know a, a color. Uh, a continuity of color where it's like you are selling something warm or selling something cold, but really just sort of setting something up as, as like a, a giant, beautiful matte painting, but, but entirely, you know, with, with depth that cinematography can bring. I love that. And this, this had it uh, in, in spades. So that I loved. And, and, and like I say, Sam Mendes, um, I, I have not seen a Duff Sam Mendes film actually. No, he's a, he's a, no, he's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. Um, uh, we uh, we uh, went and saw Road to Perdition uh, the other day because I'd, I'd seen it originally and was not massively impressed. Sharon, had you seen it before? I hadn't. No, that was the first time I'd oh. seen it. Well, reappraising it, I was massively impressed. So, uh, yeah, it's maybe a certain appreciation of Mendes's style comes with age. I, I don't know. Any kids who listen to us, let us know if you like Sam Mendes. And the title sequence. I had been avoiding listening to the Sam Smith song. I know there's loads of people who hate it. But, you know, I, I, I now like Another Way to Die less than I said back in 2011. A lot less. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I really like this one in context. I, and I, I totally agree. I was funny okay. enough, I was, gonna, I was thinking about it today, I was going to mention that because I, I did hear the song before the film. I thought it was mm. awful. I mean, really, yeah. really bad. But seen in context of the film with those titles and just after the opening scene, it yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, I still don't like the song outside of that context. <laughs> <But> it works. <laughs> you, every time you watch it, you're like, oh, Cin- this is fine. Cinematically, it definitely yeah. works. It's got the mm, right okay. tone for that response from that opening uh, segment. Yeah. Okay. The one thing that um, that really piqued my interest about the opening sequence actually was the because um, he's had um, in earlier Craig sequences that whole thing with the bullets with the blood trails and it's it looks like it's underwater and it's all paint that's streaming off it and this time they did it with the ink. 
Yeah. Having the, the ink trails through everything and then have the kind of thrust of the story be the idea that it's the bureaucrats and the pen pushers are taking over and want to get rid of the, the men out in the field because they can do everything from a computer. And it just it all seemed to tie it together quite nicely. Yeah. And uh, also, I've got to add uh, you know, to the, the Bellucci scene, the sequence where uh, she walks through her house and then out to the fountain and you mm. see very blurrily the, uh, the assassins who are just there. And she's very aware of them, but she's just, she's such a powerful actress when she's being directed right. And uh, that just the elegance of Bond dispatching them and then approaching her and just the... You know, I, I complain about Bond being sleazy time and again, but that scene was so fucking sexy, at least for me. Yeah, uh, the, the, the scene up against the mirror, gee. Yeah, the rapey scene, not so good. But yeah, that, that one was definitely... Uh, <laughs> was definitely he did that um, actually in, in uh, the, um, Skyfall, if you remember, when Bond is introduced. Hmm. Uh, he did exactly the same trick where it pans through the building, and it it's very effective. Yeah, yeah. Um... And also, I mean, this felt like it was designed to be a crowd pleaser. Yeah. That uh, um, the uh, Casino Royale ended very somber, but with this kind of, uh, he's James Bond, way. And uh, then Quantum of Solace ended very somber, but with this, he's James Bond, way. And Skyfall ended very somber, but with this, James Bond, way. It felt like with this one, it was like, and it ends fun yay he's not james bond bye he's like what well no he's still james bond but he's not james bond of mi6 what (laughs) so we'll talk about that when it uh comes to the end but it it feels like in their desire to be crowd pleasing they kind of took it in a direction they're gonna have to backpedal it from so you know it's if they're borrowing you know that the the sadness that they have they avoided with the fairly obvious on Her Majesty's Secret Service ending that could have happened there, um, which I was expecting on the bridge at any second and never came. They're just borrowing it from the future. The, um, the, 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 the you know, that, that is going to happen almost inevitably. But I can well, understand why they would have avoided it for this one, because much though I really, really love the Craig Bonds I think Gary's absolutely right they have pounded this loss and grief yeah. and misery yeah. over and over and over again and it gets to the point where it's like will you give the guy a week to <laughs> exactly breathe? well that's the thing like and I was like they can't kill her now because then there's like another mm. miserable end to Bond yeah. so yeah I, it, it, they kind of pinned themselves with the, the tone of the last three so that they had to end this one happily um Right. So the best way I can sum up my more negative feelings on leaving the cinema was that the overall story, when laid out, was a backslide from the original remit laid down by Casino Royale. I felt that after Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery came out in 1997, the same just mere months before um, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, you simply couldn't do Bond like Roger Moore and please the crowds anymore. Mm. And this year we've seen it done twice in Kingsman and now Spectre. Both of them seem to be saying, remember when Bond was fun and it wasn't all moody and tense like the Bourne movies? 
But of course, they adopted that original tone with Casino Royale because Die Another Day showed us what lies at the end of that Roger Moore tunnel, a total disposable story in which Bond ticks boxes to please fans. It's what I said back in the Skyfall episode, that that nostalgia, for me at least, is best handled in Q's little pen quip rather than full-on evoking and reenacting the hollowed-out volcano routine lampooned so easily in The Spy Who Shagged Me. Gary. I must admit, I did. I did. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Austin Powers films, but I, I did. I do get what you're saying, and I certainly thought that when you know, basically, Blofeld had a secret lair in a <laughs> meteor crater in the middle of the desert. You know, at that point, he I thought, did. really, <laughs> we, we're going here, are we? But they didn't seem to make much of it, other than you know, showing him as being, like I said earlier, an information broker, which is kind of okay. You know, that's one way to play it, but. And then they kind of just blew it to bits. So it was, it was almost disposable. And again, I yeah. kind of feel that they were almost doing a little bit of parody themselves. They were saying, here, look, here's the here's the secret lair that you've all been expecting. And yeah. uh, here it is. It's all blown up. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely do something with Blofeld later. Now, now that yeah. we've got this done, we'll do something with Blofeld later. Yeah, I, th- I think as much as the I feel the film was like one act too long, Mm-hmm. But the final act was obviously the act, the final was was the ending they wanted, and they yeah, kind of yeah. g- gave us that blowing up of the base as a kind of false false ending, really. Uh, and They're like massaging, yeah, the, uh, the an itch, yeah, yeah. And, and and like you said, a, a, a bit of box ticking. But I I feel with a lot of the box ticking in this film, it was done with a nod and a wink rather than. Mm. Uh, die another day, oh, it's, it's which not, was which yeah. was the, die another day had that crass kind <laughs> yes, of like totally like like making constant smutty comments back and forth. Oh, it's, it's like a carry on it, film once Bond and Jig start going. She might as well be Barbara Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there was there was no sense of fun or parody in that in that film at all. Whereas uh, I do yeah. feel that with some of this stuff, it is Mendes and 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 mm-hmm. uh, Craig, who's obviously producer of this film as well, mm-hmm. just sort of poking a little bit of fun at some of those things but also you know putting them in there because at the end of the day these films are there to make money you know these are blockbuster movies and i suspect that if they actually hadn't had that blowfeld sequence or if they'd reorchestrated it yeah. so that after um the uh l'american sequence they had somehow managed to segue to the uh, the the chasing building thing, but extended the chasing building thing to actually incorporate the Blofeld meeting scene in that, and made that whole thing an incredibly tense ten minute back and forth mm-hmm. behind with the glass in between, so that Bond didn't have to be tied to a chair. Yeah. Um, then uh, it, that could have been in, like a really good tight two hour Bond film. Yeah. Uh, but it's as it stands. It feels half an hour too long, whereas Quantum of Solace is half an hour too short, or uh, at least 15 to 20 minutes too short. Although with Quantum of Solace, it's not so much that they didn't have enough material, it was that they played it all too fast. Yeah, like, you know, watching the car chase in this, I was thinking, you know what car chase I really kind of like? The one at the beginning of Quantum of Solace, and my brain's going, Yeah. My brain was going, No, you're insane. Why could you like that? It's like bang, 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 bang. But that's how a car chase can sometimes be edited really well to make it like, Oh, God, that's so startling. I agree with you. I've I've actually found that was one of the low points for me, was the car chase. I thought it was. Yeah, it it, was languid. It was ponderous and, yeah, languid. The only thing that made it fun was the fact that, you know, none of his gadgets worked, which was, again, a little dig at. 
<laughs> you know, the, the Q joke from the last film kind of yeah. writ large. And the fact that they were like yeah. ugly switches stuck to the dashboard of a supercar, you know, it was, that in itself was yeah. quite funny. Oh, Just, I remember why um, when that guy shouted it and went, it's when Q went to the garage and the car was gone and then the champagne was left in a classy. Basically, it's a classy move. Yeah. And this guy made it less classy by shouting. <laughs> yeah, it kind of ruins that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you could ruin pretty much any moment by going, Ray! Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't think that worked. I actually didn't think the plane chase worked particularly well either. Ish, yeah, no. Um, well, somebody pointed out that uh, uh, in one of the bad reviews that Bond basically produces a plane out of nowhere um, with no sign of an airstrip. Like, he might as well just fly at that stage you, if we're suspending disbelief. You could like see that. it. It's at the very start of that sequence. Oh, is it there? Yeah, you know when, oh, they, that's right when the aerial shots of the... Um, the kind of the, the base on the top of the mountain. Yeah. There's a very short runway next to it with a plane perched at the ah, end of it. Gotcha. It did it did feel like he should probably be in a car, but they were like, we've already had a car chase. Yeah. Plane? Yeah. I think the, the worst <laughs> thing about the car chase for me was that I, I knew how much money they'd spent on it. And I was looking oh, at yeah. it going, this wasn't worth it, guys. It, it was $300 million for this movie and a lot of, uh, like, not a lot of the budget, but chunk of the budget was because they kept crashing these beautiful Aston Martins and wrecking them. And it's like, just bring another Aston Martin. They got a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Just think but of I the- imagine they got a fair tidy sum for featuring those two cars in it. Though. Oh, I would yeah. think so, yeah. yeah. I kept trying to see what the nice second car was. I couldn't quite make it out. I wasn't sure if it was a, a Lamborghini or not, but um, every time you could just about see the logo, they kind of cut away. So obviously they didn't pay enough. They weren't. They didn't want to show Dave Bautista into, into that beautiful slender car because he looked like he was in a clown car. Yeah. <laughs> this massive guy. Also, props to Dave Bautista from going from this, you know, like really lovable, threatening but lovable character Drax in uh, Guardians to being not at all lovable, entirely threatening, like utterly terrifying, yeah, crushing your head type guy, and like m- maybe one of the best Bond henchmen ever. It, I agree. It I thought he was pretty very good. strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the funny thing was though, it was a tiny little thing that really clicked him for me. It was the silver thumbnails. As soon as mm-hmm, I saw yeah. those, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be not thing. pretty. For me, it was the fact that he, with some disdain, took his handkerchief out and mopped the blood off his yeah. hands. It was like, oh, well, he's massive and he does terrible things, but he also has a little bit of class to I, him. And they also but, leave yeah. it open as to his fate as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see him come back because I think he's tough enough to survive being knocked off a train. Yeah. You know, if if, if feckin' Jaws can fall into a, a circus tent from a plane and survive... Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you can see that, you know, being like a... Almost like oh god, I've just got another Moonraker uh, reference. Suddenly, extremely conveniently placed safety net. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well done. Although they did, as I said, take the trouble to set it up beforehand. Yeah. 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 They never showed the circus at the beginning in Moonraker. No. <laughs> right. <clears throat> okay. Now, so anything or more on the good stuff before we get to the the more divisive stuff? Because I've got this is I've got the essay here. I'm going to read bits of. I do think, and this is a little bit backhanded, but the the, the evoking slightly of Diana of the Day actually had a positive effect for me because it did make Madeline seem less at least she's not wet because at least she wasn't Miranda Frost. <laughs> oh, Miranda! Yeah, indeed, Miranda Frost. She kind of reminded me mm, of her. Yeah, because in Ugh. in look and in her manner of dress, they weren't miles apart. No, um, you're right. Yeah, but uh, she was awful. <laughs> 
Oh god, just thinking about dying another day. Oof. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Gary, any more before we go? I, I, I guess I'll probably mention it again at the end, but I, I did enjoy it. I mean, that's the, at the end yeah, of the day, that's the key thing. That, to come back yeah, from this. We'll come, there is a sort of anything we haven't mentioned that's good at the end. In, in the round, taking the whole, using whatever cliche you want, I, I, I thought it was a decent decent hmm. movie. But yeah, I think, I, I'm sure you're going to mention them, but there were deep flaws for me. But I think basically this, this essay I've got here kind of outlines everything that kind of bugged me. There's, and more. There's very few Bond movies that don't, if you kind of look at them <laughs> in any kind of detail, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. This is one of the most divisive Bond movies that I've seen in ages in terms of reviews. And I, I didn't really look at the reviews until today. I was like, right, I want to be able to get my head around this, get strong what I feel, and then just sort of like, if there's anybody who can come along and sort of like make that plainer, then... Um, I, I might be able to use that and, and, and cite them, but uh, uh, some loved this film. Best Bond ever, say the Daily Express. Some hated it. <laughs> After a truly spectacular intro, everyone might as well be enacting a Bond puppet show, which sometimes descends into the unpleasantly retro ickiness. That was a flick philosopher. One of the most recurring complaints is a feeling I got during the car chase that suddenly set in with a vengeance when they got to the Spectre base. And this clearly affected other people a lot more potently than me, uh, enough to utterly ruin the film or indeed the franchise for them. What I've got here are some particularly acidic snippets from the HitFix review, uh, which I don't match in veracity by any means, but I can completely see the argument of. It's also rather fun to read, though the writer Drew McWeenie gets very angry. Okay. So here's Drew McWeeny's article, or bits of it. Here's one of the things that bothers me this time around. The last film saw Bond finally accept his place in the world and become the James Bond that we've been waiting for him to become since Casino Royale. If we accept that movie as the first real, hard reboot of the entire series, then the story they've been telling has been about James Bond becoming James Bond, and he finally did it. He became that person with Moneypenny and Q and a new M in place as his support team, and now he once again pretty much walks away and does everything by himself. They make a few cursory gestures at including the team, but while Fines, Wishaw, and Harris are all good in their scenes, they are criminally underutilized. It's no Moonraker or View to a Kill, so for that reason alone, some Bond fans will shrug off all criticism. That's fine, except with Casino Royale, the producers made a huge mistake. They made it too well. They have tried, with this Daniel Craig run of films, to elevate the Bond movies that... So they are more than just acceptably silly spy movies. And one of the reasons Spectre is so frustrating is because it feels like the collapse of that ambition. And it is in one moment that you can see the entire thing burn to the ground. So let's talk about that moment. And yes, this is a spoiler. Yes, this is the spoiler. But in this context, we're talking about a different kind of spoiling. When Bond and this season's... When Bond and this season's Fleshlight <laughs> arrive at Spectre's surprisingly easy to find sort of homage to the volcano lair in the middle of nowhere, Oberhauser picks them up at the train station and then just drives them right into the base. Everyone is so set on their part that Bond practically hops up on the torture table himself. I said this to Sharon. Yes, yes, I know the drill. First, though, there's some monologuing and a big reveal that should come as a surprise to absolutely no one. yes. Oberhauser is indeed Ernst Stavro Blofeld. But he, just like in Star Trek Into Darkness, all of the name games seem pointless. Blofeld has no value as a name to any character in the film. It's just a pseudonym that Oberhauser started using after he faked his own death when he murdered his father. And why did he murder his father? 
Here's where I had to grit my teeth to even type something so stupid. The reason that Oberhauser became a criminal mastermind in charge of an international organization that is involved in human trafficking, drugs, terrorism, and a myriad of other destructive crimes is because when James Bond's parents died, Bond was sent to live with the Oberhausers, and Papa Oberhauser decided he liked James Bond better than he liked his real son, Franz. Knowing that our father loved you more than he loved me. That's what this bit reminded me of. It is a bit. You ruined my life. Yes, it's true. Blofeld is Blofeld because his daddy liked James Bond more than him. And a lot of lads know that their daddy likes James Bond more than them. (laughs) That's me, not him. And it makes me want to never watch a fucking James Bond movie again. That is such a stupid, pathetic, ignorant choice for a creative team to make. And it demonstrates a complete misunderstanding of anything that's ever been part of James Bond, either in print or on film, that I genuinely struggle to understand how anyone could ever justify it. Let's set aside the truly insultingly stupid idea that the main villain in the James Bond universe just became a weepy fop with daddy issues. How about the way this choice means that James Bond is no longer a spy tackling individual cases over the course of his career, but is now a licensed sociopath who has unwittingly been the focus of a dedicated campaign of horror on a global scale, resulting in hundreds of collateral civilian and intelligence deaths, all because he had no idea someone was targeting him. Even worse, the movie suggests that Bond only coincidentally stumbled over Spectre's plans. So now we're asked to believe that Bond is the centre of the universe, but that he accidentally kept foiling the plans of the supervillain dedicated to ruining his life in order to make up for the time Daddy enjoyed mountain climbing with James Moore. The more I think about it, the more I write about it, the more it infuriates me. And then, following the reveal, Mendes and company stage two sequences that are so devoid of tension that you might as well be watching Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood. Once he's revealed as Blofeld, uh, we know he won't die in the movie, and we also know Bond is going to hit the magic re- reset button and make everything right and now finally after four movies bond is fully james bond ready to get to work stopping villains and foiling terrorists and wait what he quits again at the end of the film so we can bump uglies with sado really really even now even four movies into the series you can't finally let him become james bond this has become a joke this one film has finally stretched the premise so thin that it snapped and i find myself genuinely genuinely fed up why bother? Will Bond 25 finally be the James Bond film where they let James Bond be what James Bond? Or will it have to tell a gritty personal tale of James Bond turning his back on the system so he can face a great personal crisis that will add up to absolutely goddamn nothing? This 24th film in the series was meant to be a sort of summation of what had come before, as well as a triumphant reclamation of iconography and characters that has been had been off-limits for 40 years. Instead, it's a lazy greatest hits tape featuring a brand new version of a song with an arrangement that suggests that the singer didn't even like the original. It is a crushing disappointment and a reminder that the gloss and the respectability of the previous Daniel Craig films was a fluke, not business as usual. James Bond will return, and after this, I have no idea why. Here, bother. Hmm. <sighs> okay, so you didn't like it. <laughs> Clearly not. No. Um. Uh, sorry, I, I adopted a silly voice. That I can understand his anger. I don't um share it in in that regard, in that intensity at all. If it, it feels like a busted busted blood vessel in the brain, but um, I've been angry about things that are close to me like that before. Uh, and I can understand why people would. I mean, some people listening to this will be like nodding on my going, yep, yep, yep. And there are going to be people like this, you know, shaking their heads going, nope, nope, it was brilliant. And there'll be people in the middle going, eh, he's got a point, but... And I'm, I'm kind of there. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm kind of there as well. They, they, they did it, but 
I I wish they hadn't have done it, but I don't think they overplayed it either. Yeah, they mm. they they kind of introduced it and was like because we we all speculated that that's what that would be the case before the film anyway, yeah. and it was like okay they did it, but they didn't you know after that they didn't really do a great deal. It, the I mean like. In fact, like Blowfield in any film that he's on book he's been in, his character mm. doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, um, yeah. And but it's a pity because up like up until that point, he he had come across as being so menacing, so in control as as you said, Sharon. That after that, particularly when he gets the comedy scar, I mean that that was you know mm. basically um, if if Silver had not been like for part of his plan been being taken in by MI6 and then messing them up. If the very, very end of Skyfall had been that uh, Bond catches Blofeld and he's led away in the van and then you just see a tiny little glint in his eyes like, oh my God, he wanted to get caught. This whole thing has been a setup. And even though Bond's happy at the end, it's, it's, there's going to be some stuff on the horizon. Instead, he's kind of like, ow, bugger. <laughs> well, I think he, he, he yeah, a, a man with that many, with that much control over his organisation knows he won't be yeah. in jail for very long. Yeah, and we all do too. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, yeah, I can't get too worked up about that. I do, <laughs> I do, you know, as I said earlier, I think really where it, the first two thirds of the film, I really, I may enjoyed all the film, but the first two thirds especially, up until the point where the base blows up, and then from that moment onwards, it kind of, that final act just didn't, didn't didn't work for me it, it i know that's what they were aiming for but that was that mm. to me is where the fundamental flaw was uh, and obviously set up by the fact that there is this uh, you know f- f- uh jealousy in the in the family so to speak you know and i i don't i think when they were talking about the um i think where that guy's probably not quite accurate in what they've put on the screen anyway and uh, it was never suggested that Blofeld had direct contact with any of these other people that he was that were you know like Dominic Green and Silver yeah. and that they were a man in this position they they wouldn't even know they were working for him you know they were kind of puppets um, that he was able to manipulate he probably gave them money and you know mm, the the, the telephone true, number actually, for rent yeah. a henchman and all that business you know <laughs> <laughs> henchman agents he, he he was he would have been someone in the background as a as a kind of sponsor or a um, um, you know, a manipulator rather than them actually working for him and it all being one conspiracy. Um, yeah. And he might not have even known that Bond was involved with with uh, with people like Green and, and um, uh, I've got the Sheaf. Sheaf, yeah. You know, he it, it was it would have been a, a kind of happy coincidence when he found out. So I think we can cut him a bit of slack on that. But you're right. All right. In 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 essence, they kind of. I think they undermined his character as soon as they did that. Mm. It would almost be, um, it would almost have been better to be the other way around. If basically Q had said, um, had said to Bond, does this name mean anything to you? And then basically the name had shown up on, on the screen. You hadn't seen it. And then Bond had said no. And then the, the camera had panned around and it had been reading Ernst Stavro Blofeld. And the whole audience would have gone, <gasps> And then when he finally meets Blofeld, he goes, it's you. You're that guy. You're, I know you. 
And, and, and basically been... Like, I, mean, I know that it happened in Austin Powers 3, but since they're hoping that people had forgotten all the Austin Powers films, why not just hope that they forget the fact that Austin Powers and Dr. Evil are allegedly the sons of Michael Caine? Why doesn't he just be his actual brother? And for it to not be anywhere near as I want to destroy you as it seemed to be. It almost, you know, would have been better for him for him to say, yes, it turns out we are brothers. I found this one out myself fairly recently. Um, do you want to join Spectre? We've got a good dental plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead he's like, now I shall attach you to my torture device. Yeah, that never made any sense to me either. <laughs> of questionable medical merits. Sharon, you, you said something oh, about yeah, this thing with that, drilling? Yeah, I, I mean, I was already a little bit knocked by this point because if the, the one... Uh, wardrobe choice that Madeline gets that isn't white um, is this dress that they leave out for her and it's got these <laughs> Have you seen weird, those? It's, it's got <laughs> like loops that point to her boobs and then lines that kind of outline between her legs and then when she just turns around she's got an arrow pointing to her ass I mean it's a little bit you know okay who drew that one then um but um yeah the um the the torture device I I could sort of get the um the first um point that he drilled is um was the trigeminal nerve now my dad has trigeminal neuralgia so I know I've I've seen what level of intense agony uh, attacking that nerve can cause and I sympathised, but then when he went round to the other side and he said, "There's a there's a point in the in the or there's a nerve that if we hit the right spot, um, he will lose his ability to recognise faces." And he turns to Madeline and says something along the lines of, "He won't even know who you are." Now, yes, there is a point in the brain that if it's damaged, you lose the ability to recognise faces, but it's not there. Um, it's it's somewhere in the middle of the brain, and also that the the important thing about it is you still have a concept of context. So he would have known exactly who Madeline was because he would know she was the girl who walked into the room with him. Unless in some way this tiny little drill bit was going to take out that part of his brain and very select portions of his memory. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, it's more like he's drilling into his neck at that point anyway. Exactly, yeah. It's like, well, you might hit the jugular and yeah. cause some damage that way, but, uh, yeah. Do you have to get that machine, like, made yourself? Do you have to, like, draw out the blueprints and say, I want it to drill into this nerve and this nerve? It, All right. Yeah. It'll cost you £10,000. Yeah. It kind of looks like an automated dental table. Yeah. yeah. Which, if he'd done that, if he'd gone straight for his teeth, that could kind of understood that i mean most medicine you know is barbaric anyway so it wouldn't surprise me if something like that exists you know but see all the silly bits in this simply for me serve to make all the simple bits in casino royale even better just um the chief saying you know just it it doesn't take much of anything i just got a carpet beater here and you know the question is will you yield in time bit of rope you know chair with no bottom and then he wallops the living shit out of bond's knackers just versus a ten thousand dollar drill chair, <laughs> ten thousand pounds. Sorry. But then, um, being the kind of technical wizzo information broker that he is, that's yeah. that's his chosen weapon. Oh no, no, it's 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 fine in context, yeah. but I, but like I said, the, the context of Casino Royale is far more. I want to say appealing. <laughs> now, in, in terms of torture, I do like the bollock smacking. I, um, I do kind of wish. I, I it's kind of been creeping in with the last three films in the. Yeah, the, in a Mel Gibson-ish sort of way. Yeah, <laughs> the the you know they're 
there's like four, three or four writers on each film. Yeah. And uh, with Casino Royale, they went back to the source material. And as we've discussed on the podcast before, every time they bring in a new actor, they go back to the source material. That's like the they put they hit the reset button and they and they and they do that. Even with Brosnan, to a certain extent, they incorporated elements of different uh, novels into Goldeneye. Um, I just wish they the kind of with Quantum onwards, they've basically been basing each story off of the previous ones. They've been using the fiction that they've established and they've then been adapting it further or putting another twist in, putting another twist okay. in, putting a and I wish they would just if they're gonna make a standalone fun bond romp, which is what this one really set out to do, um yeah. I wish they'd gone back to some maybe some original material or just remade one of those earlier films, you know. Hell, a basically Spectre is Thunderball. That is the Thunderball story. It's been remade yeah. twice. Why not remake it again? You know, there's no harm in doing <laughs> that. And just change it from nuclear weapons to being, uh, you know, um, information and, and and privacy. What You know, but I, I just hope um, in the next film that they take that approach because I suspect it will be a new actor and so therefore they will do the, the back-to-basics um, thing with it. Mark Berriman says on uh, Twitter here uh, that uh, it's a Bond movie in reverse. The scope gets smaller and tighter. Yeah, I did read that, and I, I, I actually concur with that. Yeah. Um, another person said to me, and I can't find it, I've been looking for it, um, the turtle is hungry thing uh, just turned up in their head while they were watching it, and it's possible that Craig is finally there. Yeah. He did look a little bit turtleish. It's possibly just because of the extreme youth of Leia Sadow. Yeah. That, and yeah, she's so young and fresh. And he is starting. He's looking to gnarly. Look this, no, yeah, yeah. A bit it's haggard. A bit <laughs> uh, he, you know what? He looked great with Monica Bellucci, yep. and she yeah. is a handsome woman. Yep. Let me say that. And, and if you ask me to choose between the two of them, I wouldn't take uh, two seconds. Monica Bellucci, straight away. Yep. Yes, please. Wrap a drain pipe. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's terrible. Dear me. Yeah, um, but you but know what she looks like under that corset. Oh, the, also, folks, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, if you want to see more of Monica Bellucci. <laughs> um, the bit at the beginning, it went, uh, after he takes off the mask and then like goes to, to shoot that guy on the rooftop and then the building collapses, it looked like he was about to get into an uncharted sequence. Yeah. And then he was like, <gasps> uh, no, I'm just going to sit on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, it was still a brilliant sequence, but just the sofa bit kind of, uh, um, uh, uh, kind of got to me. And also the bit when... When they're led to their rooms in Blofeld's secret base, when Bond looks out at all those giant power units and the fuel tankers, he was just thinking in his head, I could blow this whole ruddy place up. I shall. And he did, does. Yep. So uh, it's, it was kind of like, you know, foreshadowing. Here you go, guys. You want to see this in flames? Wait five minutes. Yeah, completely. Um, okay, so on the note of uh, of, of next, um, apparently Sony have been auctioning off the rights to uh, James Bond, and now Warner Brothers or uh, Fox might That's pick it up, or even Disney. Been the case for ages now. I think. Oh yeah. When did Cubby die? I think ever since then, every few years, the parent because it was Universal Artists for ages. Early Brosnan. Era. The Universal Artists went bust about four yeah. or five times. They've been owned by various other conglomerates. You know, it's. They were owned by MGM, and then MGM got bought by Sony. I think the problem it? is the the Bond movies make money. They make a lot of money. Um, yeah, I mean this one's made. Uh, it hasn't done quite so well in America yet because Peanuts is so huge. But uh, in in Britain, it like it beat. Did it beat Harry it did, Potter? Yeah, it was the oh, biggest. Week, yeah. Which Harry Potter? Uh, I think it was. It was just that Harry. One of the Harry Potter. The films. least. 
held the record for the biggest opening yeah. week in the uh, UK. That's, that's, uh, no, it won't be at really. Yeah, was it front of it, yeah. That's the one that made the least of money, isn't no, it? No, highest first opening but, weekend set by Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I think it made the least overall yeah. uh, over yeah, time but, because basically all the Potter fans showed up on that first weekend and everyone else was like, eh, I saw the first two, eh. And it wasn't until the fourth one that everyone was like, oh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so they stayed away but, from but really good Even film. Bond movies that don't do too well, they still make money, you know. Um, and the problem yeah. with Universal Artists is all the other films they made were, were, were tanked and they really had to use Bond to keep them afloat. And it's the same here, really, in that Sony, I think, picked up Bond with Casino Royale, is that right? They picked up the rights to it, or joint uh, yes, rights, yes. I think. But Sony are desperate to get out of the film business as well, so... Um. Yeah, it's it's not going to leave many. I think Warner Brothers and Disney are the only two that would be probably big enough to pick it up. God, a, a Disney Bond. But I mean, it'd still be owned by Dan Jack, and they, okay. they own the rights to the. Well, you know, um, Bob Rockley and um, Michael Wilson. They they own it basically. They own the company that owns Bond. It's just the um, distributor and also yeah. the person who puts up the money. Oh, I found the turtle comment. It was from Mike Brearley. He uh, said, watch, expect, I couldn't stop thinking about your Roger Moore turtle thing. Can't remember the exact phrase. It, the phrase is, the turtle, the is, turtle hungry. is hungry. Um, okay, so I mean, so what would you want from Bond 25? It's a, it's a milestone, for a start, and, and, and something that will follow this up. Do, the, do, you, do you want a reboot? Do you want a new Bond? Do you want a, 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 a one more Craig Bond? Do you want... No, I think, want? I think I'm ready for for this to be his last one and I kind of think the way the film ended it was almost I know you can read it in a number of ways but I also read it as him saying you know I'm done mm. I, also, good night and good I also think him saying in a, an interview or two that he's had it yeah. and he doesn't want to do well, it anymore he was the would producer of, of this film so mm. um, I think he, he he was producer to make sure that the film finished the way he wanted it you know he wanted to go out with control over the movie mm. I think he's going out on a bang sir <laughs> yes <laughs> and um, in fact that, that is also if you think about it, the end it's just a cleaner version of that because it's him sort of staring at, as it, at him as he drives off in the distance with, uh, with his lady friend it's the closest you're going to get to I think he's attempting re-entry yeah. or like scattering enough diamonds to basically <laughs> revitalise a third world country's yeah. economy all over grotty old Halle Berry I would like them to do to go back to an uh, well, an earlier Bond film that maybe isn't as well regarded, um, even though uh, you know I think it's an early Octopussy. Well, Octopussy is one option. So, but that, but don't forget the film, the movie Octopussy bears very little resemblance to the actual book. All oh, right, and so the, a book, the book of Octopussy okay. is kind of in bits and pieces of various films. Um, okay, but I, you know, from Russia with Love or something like that, I would like to see obviously in context that's Modern a little bit more difficult Russia. but then we've got a new Russia and you could easily spin a slightly different story into that and the whole of that book is set around uh, an area of the world at the moment which is in turmoil around Syria and Turkey places like that I, th I think going back to some of the earlier films and maybe just giving it a you know 21st century take on it and mixing it up a bit a bit like they did with Casino Royale I think I don't see any heart I don't know why they feel they have to keep coming up with original stories why they can't adapt some of the earlier ones again there's no rule that says they can't do it and in fact with Casino Royale they proved it so something about this ending made it feel like the last Bond like if there were never any more Bond films I know of course there will be this is an unkillable franchise yeah. uh, it doesn't matter who the rights go to there will be more but it felt like if there were no more this would actually be quite a nice kind of I beat Bellofeld 
MI6 is the double O agent uh, program has been retired. I'm no longer needed. I can probably stop shooting people and I'm going to go off with this um, young it, lady. It definitely feels like it has a full stop ending. That's for sure. In my awesome car. Yeah, and I think that's to open up the fact that you could then have another actor. Uh, yeah. You don't have to then tie yeah. it into the whole four series arc that's had Craig in it. I thought it did, does feel to me like it has that kind of this is the end ending. Hmm. Uh, well, something occurred to me at that point. Could this not be, could this feasibly be the end of Bond in the 21st century for a while and go back to the 60s and do four Bond period pieces? Just any kind of later we're going to come back to the 21st century, but let's give that a rest for a while and do Bond in the 60s, but with modern day sensibilities and budgets and just. Yeah, and unfortunately, oh, my fear would be they give it to Guy Ritchie or something, but, but um, I, as a Bond fan, I think I'd be, I'd enjoy that a lot. But I think. Mm. The time, the type of box office they're getting, it would really, it would be too much of a risk for them because at the moment it would, you're going to yeah. find Skyfall and this are going to be the two highest grossing Bond movies of. Yeah. so they'll want to make them like that. Well, and I've, I've Sam Mendes is rumored for the next one anyway. Oh, see, so. I thought he said he wouldn't do another one. Oh, well, okay. Well, ignore the IMDb. Sometimes they. He may have done. He may have. He may have been saying more recently. I'd happily. I'd love to see him back. Definitely. I think, yeah, he's doing a grand job, and and, and or an actor of, oh, sorry, not actor, a director of his ilk. You know, I think you need to have when they started farming it out to slightly iffy directors like Die Another Day. Mm. I think that was too much of a risk to play with this franchise. It's it is a massive money making thing, so it needs to have yeah. real talent behind it. You know. I actually would not object to either Guy Ritchie or Matthew Vaughan, who are on, on some levels kind of interchangeable if you compare uh, Kingsman with the uh, Man from Uncle. Yeah, I've not seen the Man from Uncle. Um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that because I love the TV yeah, show. So. Big fan. I did like. Um, what did you think of the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes? I liked them a lot. And, and obviously, I'm very, you know, as I said earlier, I'm a bit funny about Sherlock Holmes adaptations, but I thought they were really good. Yeah. Um, Mark Strong being in the first one, being uh, obviously a, an ace up the sleeve. Of course, yeah. Well, Matthew Vaughn uh, did uh, X Men First Class, and the way Fassbender plays Eric in that was very well, deliberately. Fassbender Bondy. basically plays Bond in. Um, oh, what's the film with the girl that the woman who's a boxer, um, where she's an agent? I can't remember it now. Um, Haywire. Have you seen Haywire? Yes. Oh, so Fassbender yeah. basically in that is Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comes a cropper to Gina Carano. Yeah, that's, that's her name. Yeah. Indeed. Oh, that's a great scene. I want to see that film again. Yeah, it's a great film. Um, Got on Blu-ray. So, 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 yeah, I would totally be up for a 60s yeah. uh, period one. Why not? I mean, I you know, anything in that 60s or 70s period, I think, is and Cold War setting is is ideal. But if they if now they've got the Spectre license, you know, the Spectre name mm-hmm. back, I feel they'll just go with something with Spectre, or they'll do something that's closely related to Spectre. So if they're going to do that, go yeah. back to the source material where you know Spectre was used all over the place. There's a remake Thunderball or remake. Well, you again. can you oh, can do Thunderball. There's there's so many. I, I mean, I'm, I've not. You need really James for this. He has read all the novels. I've only read a few of Fleming's novels because actually they're. they're, they're James, you're listening. What direct questions do you want to ask James to address in his podcast? <laughs> I mean, the books I don't think are very good. You know, they're okay. Um, but uh, I, I do think those that source material does does inspire the the, the Bond movie. You know, the, the the kind of framework of those books does lend itself really well really well to the screen, which is why Doctor No was you know was so successful. Yeah. Um, and I would like to see things like from Russia Left. My worry is they'll do on a Majesty's Secret Service, which I would be really nervous about. 
Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> now with uh, Madeline in tow, here are the options that they can they can follow on with. They can uh, Vanessa her by basically having her killed at the very beginning of the uh, film. And uh, if it's a different bond, then it's like, okay, right, we're just going to tie off this last bit and we'll have her killed. And then Bond will just go up and then carry on with the rest of the film. Or do pretty much the same thing by just never mentioning her which is almost like a, a, a screw you to uh, Spectre, or have her being killed motivate his roaring rampage of revenge, which is just Quantum of Solace, but do Quantum of Solace right. But then again, you're back to the introspection, the, the yeah. raids, the him not being James Bond. on a, Basically, you almost can't do standard James Bond on a mission. Well, they, with and her they didn't, did they? Because what followed on Her Majesty's Secret Service? Bloody diamonds are forever. Diamonds are which forever. Yeah, completely threw away everything they'd established. Yeah. You know, where well, like I said, they Vanessa'd her. Yeah. They basically, he was like, "I'm angry, and I'm going to get rid of this this Blofeld who's not even that Blofeld." And uh, right, I'm fine now. Let's move on. Uh, and the the only other possibility, which would be a huge different turn up for the books of a Bond film, is to have her from the beginning, his wife, the whole way through that he's trying to protect. Not just some chippy he's met, his wife. And the whole way through you're thinking, she's going to die, she's going to die. This is going to be the thing that actually finally kills her. That would be an incredibly tense Bond film, would it not? Yes, it would. And particularly if they then don't fall into the trap of actually having her killed, but have her realise what danger she was in and decide, you know what, it's not worth it, I can't do this, and walk away. That is kind of Skyfall, though, <laughs> with, but with him. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of it, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like what must have happened in between Mission Impossibles 3 and 4. Mm. Yes. Know? Yeah, true. But, uh, I mean, that, that, that of the things we've just suggested, I would much rather they deal with uh, Madeline in a mature fashion rather than just in a bish bash well, bosh fashion is, even if it's a different if, bond if she, you know? if she dies they are literally just looping the same story with um, that they did with yeah. vespa and if they still have craig which according to the imdb they they may well have you're just replaying the same story with the same actor i mean i have to say one thing you can't have to just leaving the hotel room going i don't like you anymore you've got a little <laughs> he, ding-a-ling. he's contracted to do one if he, he has the option to do another one i think he's, yeah. he's got, oh, okay yeah. so he doesn't that's, have to do it probably why it's listed so, um but yeah i mean one thing that i i would like to see them take into account because sometimes they do this and sometimes not so much you can do different things with this character depending on the strengths of the actor you have um, so I think for me, what I want to see next is really going to hinge on who gets cast. Yeah. yeah, well, it always does. I mean, the, 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 the bond often takes over the persona of the, of the actor or mm. the actor's back catalogue. I mean, that was very true of, uh, Roger Moore. He basically played Simon Templar, um, mm. rather than James Bond, you know, apart from in, um, Spy Love Me, which he, he doesn't, but in all the other films, he was basically Simon Templar in creepier and creepier forms. Um, the thing, the reason why I would like Craig, Craig to walk away is that all the other actors have not walked away from Bond well. Their last film has been a, has been either a turkey or has has been controversial or a misstep. Um, and I even include um, uh, Dalton in that because. As yeah. much as License to Kill, I think is is a decent movie. It it's not a Bond much, movie, and yeah. and it was it it was it's diehard Bond basically. Um, 
and none of the other actors have kind of their final film has been a real letdown. You know, I mean, some of Brosnan's films I think were good, and his final film was awful. Some yeah. of Rod, Roger Moore's early films were good. His final film is atrocious. Uh, and, you know, James! And Connery, I mean, Connery's <laughs> last film, again, you know, in this, before he did Never Say Never Again, which I think is actually a, a better film than a lot of his films. Um, it's, it couldn't be worse than Diamonds. I think it's, actually God. think that's Connery's best Bond movie. Um, never Say Never yeah. Again? Even though it's wow. non-official, um, if you watch it, I I don't think we just did. Yeah. <laughs> if for we hate movies, just did a, a, a show on it, and we uh, watched it while listening to their show, and uh, you got to get some ice cold Burger King while you're watching James Bond. Yeah, I do. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like Thunderball, so I think that was a a decent remake of Thunderball. Uh, but Connery by then was a better actor. I don't think he's a particularly good actor in the early Bonds. But but um, I know it's a controversial thing to say. Well, the point of a remake of Thunderball would be to have a different Bond, surely. Exactly. So that's why I always felt a bit like, a, well, why? Yeah, well, it's because of the the, you know, the whole legal thing. And, yeah. but, but, well, finally, we can say the name Spectre without having to pay any money to the uh, McClory yeah, estate. exactly. <laughs> but I just like that, you know, if, if this is his final one, he will go out on a high. And even though this is not his best, it's not the best um, Craig Bond, uh, it's still a decent Bond movie. And for him to finish now would be, uh, I think... Wise. Wise, yeah, I think so. I think yeah. he knows that because you're looking at three, four years time for the next one. You know, I, I think he probably feels it already that he's starting to push the the boundaries of what he can get away with. You know, maybe he stays on as producer. That would be quite a cool idea to have that continuity between between the actors. Uh, you know, handing the baton over. Mm. Um, I I think that would be. I mean, he's producer on this, and if Mendes is doing it, he may want to co-produce it with him, which I think would be quite cool. So, uh, you know, I enjoyed this one. I'd be excited for a new one. I just, you know, I just have slight worries about where they might take it. Um, Sharon, any particular people you'd like to see cast as Bond, if, if Craig does indeed step down? Uh, well, Fassbender's been my favourite pick for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would, although mind you, I was going to say they'd be skewing it young, but he's not that young anymore. <laughs> I Let's suppose. check because basically, if uh, he's uh, born in seventy-seven, so he's only three years older than me. So that's he's, uh, he's thirty-eight years old, so he's slightly younger than Craig was when Craig yeah, started. So it's kind of perfect. Not, yeah, not out of the question. Um, See what he's actually doing. He's at the, the obvious the choice. He is the. Yeah. That's they, the thing. Ob- he's a they bit too often obvious. Don't go for the obvious for the choice. Obvious choice. Yeah. He's doing Assassin's Creed next year. But uh, basically, uh, if that turns out to be fantastic, he could be uh, Callum Lynch and Aguila, which are apparently the characters that he's playing um, for the next few years. Or uh, maybe they'll get a different person to be in the next Assassin's Creed film. And if he gets on an offered Bond, I think he's probably going to take would, that. I think over. he would take it. Yeah, he's been asked in interviews that I've seen, and he's laughed yeah. laughed at it and said, "Why not?" You know, I think he yeah. he's a tough actor who think he would actually relish playing Bond. Um, but there's been um, a few others because I always thought Clive Owen would have been a really good Bonds, but it kind of never timed right with him. And I know they he was they did he did do some casting, and I think at one point they did consider him uh, when they were going to yeah. do the reboot. But by that time he was just slightly pushing too old. If um, if they hadn't done Die Another Day, if if uh, World Is Not Enough had been at Brosnan's last, Clive Owen would have been perfect for a reboot he then been, for a few years. I think he yeah. had that kind of steely. I mean, he's he's yeah. played uh, hitmen in other films, and he's been superb. So I think he would have he would have absolutely nailed it. But 
I would say Hiddleston, but he's a bit weedy. Yeah. I'm sure he could still beat me in a fight, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he'd need to bulk he up. Could, he could carry. If you, what well, depends, isn't it? As, as Sharon was also, saying, it depends what you well. go for. You could go rather than. I mean, that's what Craig did. He he did the kind of both bulked up beefcake mm, ex-navy yeah. seal type um approach you could go for the suave sophisticated um you know good lord is he he'd, younger he'd be than very me. gadget dependent i think Hiddleston. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh who else I th- I mean, people have, there's, a, uh, there's uh, a big uh, list of um potential names idris elba's been mentioned yeah. he's said at uh, times there's a young though, chap as well young i can't remember his name now he's i know he's british but he's made quite a few american films i think he's in, been in some of these kind of teenage films he's been he's of uh quite often young chap been in teen films he's, he was in i don't know <laughs> these twiddling films or something oh he's please don't of, tell me robert pattinson no oh, it was my it's God. not him no it's not him it's some <laughs> other uh, british actor i can't remember his name now. i think um or maybe the hunger games or something like that. one of those things anyway oh hang on do you mean oh flipping heck now we need to narrow it down more before we start saying, or oh, maybe he's going to be. I think he was in that. I've not seen any of them, but I believe he was in the okay. Hunger Games. So it's a. Uh, I would suggest Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think he would be superb. That would be he a, a brave decision, but I think that would be excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd probably be a bit more enthusiastic about it than Idris Elba, who's kind of knocked it aside because of a lot of the speculation that's gone on around um, him yeah, taking yeah. the role. Oof, he's got such a take charge. Like he'd just walk into the room and everyone would go, okay, just, you know, take, take the secret base. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> we won't fight you for it. <laughs> they would have trouble finding villains to really oppose him. Uh, I, also, there's Benedict Cumberbatch, but he's kind of in, in you know, he's immortalized. He's almost too weird to play Bond. He's so intense. Yeah. He doesn't have that sort of he, shut off I thing, could see him so. playing a villain. Mm. Yeah, you know what? Actually, Cumberbatch as a villain versus a new Bond would be great, yeah. especially since that uh, means he's still free to play uh, Doctor Strange. I think they would. They more, they're more likely to go for someone who's who's known but not really really well known. That's kind of yeah. the mo yeah. they use. They certainly yeah. apart from Roger Moore, that's the mo they've used for. Mo- and I kind of Pierce Brosnan, yeah. but mm. they've used for all the other actors. Well, if they go for somebody who's already massively in demand, then they immediately boot their budget up. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, I think that's probably enough wild speculation on, on our part. Uh, to round it off, any good things we might have forgotten about Spectre or anything we didn't make a big enough deal oh, of? score was good again. Uh, yep. so what was it? Tom, I, Thomas Newman's yeah. score has again grown on me, especially for uh, having to do the music mix for last uh, time when we did Skyfall. It like The little subtleties of it really stood out and that kind of epic feel. Um, and, and actually, I did like the scene when uh, he was uh, up against uh, Blofeld with the glass between them. There is something very symbolic about... Um, being separated by bulletproof glass and not being able to like, like you can only have a war of uh, the 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 energy of both actors on either side at that stage. Yeah, which it had already worked very well with Javier Bardem in um, in Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, think, um, I did. Okay, I was to say I think that's a, the director's trait. He's very good at doing those kinds of scenes, one on one. I did feel a Judy Dench-shaped hole, though. Mm-hmm. I, I missed her. I, you know, she's flipping fantastic, and that's not to uh, besmirch the, uh, the the good name of uh, Ray Fiennes as, as as M. He's, you know, I entirely accept him as as the new M, but I also miss um, Judy Dench. But I'm sure. I, mean, I think this one's going to be more of a grower, like because originally when I saw Skyfall, 
we would have reviewed it back then if I'd felt great about it. But um, you know, I think this one's going to be that over the years, I I finally sort of go, oh, you know, these bits were really good. And um, Mark Kermode pointed out that. Uh, Revolts was considerably more dangerous looking when he had no socks on because the sockless man yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. He will do anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I really liked the scene where um, he was re- where uh, Blofeld was replaying the security footage from the cabin. Oh. Yes, and um, he made Madeline yeah. turn away, and I, it, it was what I really liked about it, which struck me as kind of strange after the fact, was the the tension and the suspense because I didn't know how they were going to end that scene, whether she would actually mm. continue and watch, uh, which on one hand is incredibly traumatic, but on the other hand, make sure she knows absolutely that James didn't kill her father um, or turn away, spare her that. But there's potentially always going to be that doubt. The train fight. That was the first time that I actually thought that Daniel Craig's bond was physically outmatched. Yeah. He's exhausted, uh, isn't he? By the end of it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and they are, they're beating the living crap out of each other. And, and uh, Batista's built like the kind of guy that it's, it's terrifying because you think, well, everybody's got a neck and a groin. He's got to have weak spots, but then the amount <laughs> that Bond like, not to have. thrashes no. it with, it's just like, no, he's just, he's got a neck and a groin made of concrete and he's just going to keep <laughs> coming. That was scary. Mm. And, uh, uh, yeah, that was uh, an excellent moment. And um, I think all the scenes with Q are very good. They're yes. funny. Oh, Ben Wisher was fantastic. Yeah, as a bit of levity things. There's, there was a lot more humour in this Bond, which was starting to creep towards uh, Roger Moore levels of uh, nods and winks. But it was nice, again, like I said earlier, it's nice to have to have moved away from the kind of really dark, which I like mm-hmm. as well, but it's just, it's just a welcome change. Um, I think this film... It would take two or three viewings for me to, to you know, to finalise my opinions on it. Because obviously, one viewing you miss stuff as well. Um, but I, I kind of get the feeling this is going to be mem- this is going to be a film that's memorable for a load of key scenes and yeah. uh, and fact that you know it's an enjoyable romp from start to finish, but it won't be remembered in the same uh, in the same way as Goldfinger, Casino Royale, and Skyfall. And it's interesting okay. that. You know how many years on we are now from Skyfall. When you read a lot of uh, film critics now, they they now talk about you know when they talk about the best Bond movies, they now talk about Goldfinger and Skyfall. And if you remember, we talked about this before. And my worry always with the series when it's at its worst is they just keep trying to make remake Goldfinger. They go back to that yeah. template, and I think that's the wrong template for them to go to. And yeah. with Casino Royale, they did the right thing. They went back to the the um, from Russia with Love template, and um, you know the kind of classic Bond, rather than the the first of the maniacal, uh, uh, you know, enemy big base, etc., etc. Bonds. The exotic, yeah, the, uh, and the yeah, the glow dropping. The, 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 the formula loopy. they've rehashed in at least fifty percent of the movies. Mm, um, yeah. And I feel I feel with Skyfall, they did something similar in that they they did they did something different. Um, yeah, and only that, and, and a lot of the fans didn't like it. Major Secret Service, yeah, exactly. I mean, those are, those two films are devices for that reason, and that they they do do something different with the series. And I felt with this one, they yeah. felt okay. We've done the different thing. Let's do, let's go for the mainstream. And I think as a mainstream bomb film, it works for me anyway. On this viewing, repeat viewings, maybe, maybe not. 
We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Matt Wetter said on my uh, Twitter feed, he was listing his favorite Bond films. He had, he had actually abandoned it after Casino Royale, so he'd never seen Quantum, mm. never seen Skyfall. And he actually liked Quantum more than the other, more than the other two new ones. Mm which is fascinating, but it still wasn't his number one Bond film. His number one Bond film is Captain America The Winter Soldier. I wouldn't disagree with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I get what he's saying, and I actually kind of think that if they look to that dynamic that, for the next Bond film, make it a really taut, I fun love es- thriller. I love espionage thrillers, yeah, and yeah. that is... I love that film. I've watched it so many times. I mean, I'm not... As you know, I'm not the a huge Marvel fan. I don't really know the law. I love that Indeed. film. It is so good. Yeah. And even my father who watched it, who hasn't seen any of the other Marvel films, he thoroughly enjoyed it. That is a classic seventies conspiracy movie, uh, you know, espionage and conspiracy movie. And I think that's exactly what bomb movie should be as well. It's notable by the way, that uh, since recording this episode, we watched Bob Chipman's review of Spectre in which he quite rightly points out that this movie follows in many ways the exact plot of the winter soldier just in terms of agent on the ground versus cold hard data-led surveillance which is prone to corruption as by the way are agents so basically neither system is flawless for me though the thing that it most reminded me of was uh, the ministry of magic in in uh, the harry potter films and how uh voldemort's death eater sort of seep in in the background and uh with people like C and Umbridge in place, they're able to thrive and proliferate in the very institutions which are supposed to be there to protect us from them. Again, like Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So, I guess there's maybe only four plot lines in the entire world. Well, you know us, we can't think of a single thing wrong with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> The uh, But yeah, I think ultimately, using it as a model, as a kind of, look, we can do a, a thriller, we can make it taut, we don't have to make it super melodramatic, but we can also, you know, make it fun and, and pacey and just like get all of those things into the mix. And with a new Bond, it will also feel fresh. And it can even, you know, basically retain those ties to this other one and basically make it still in the same world and, and not just like cut it off and let's, let us never speak of the Craig era again because that's, that's almost shooting themselves in the foot yeah. because they've spent so long getting him on to in place. Unless they do know? like a massive reboot again, I don't, I don't think they'll do that. No. Uh, so ultimately there needs to be a way to get him back to being a double O agent in, in a way that is fun without it being a super melodramatic. She's dead. I think that's easy enough to do. <laughs> you can, he could, he could come back after two weeks. You know, he's yeah. done it before. He does it in every bloody film. <laughs> and basically I quit and flounces out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you'll yeah be and then he yeah. reappears a few months later. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, uh, ultimately, what, what Q said back in the uh, museum, the, the art gallery, is absolutely right. You know, despite the fact that incredible things can be done with computers these days, there is a certain value in the man being around who can pull a trigger. Yep. So, uh, yeah, ultimately, drones are boring, and Bond is, <laughs> Bond is uh, potentially very interesting to, uh, to be carrying forward with. So, it kind of builds on what um, M said back in Casino Royale about him being a blunt instrument. Yes, he is yeah. a blunt instrument, but you know what? All their other alternatives are even blunter. Yeah. Yeah, but he is supposed to be an assassin, which at least in this film he was seen trying to be an assassin, mm. which again is something which they've sometimes shied away from you know ultimately that's his role he's there to he's not a secret agent mm. he's a he's an assassin he's a 
hired gun. Yeah, I mean, secret agents are undercover, and Bond is never undercover because no, he introduces he himself at the first moment. Yeah, so he's not a. I mean, I, you know, secret agents actually are essentially um, you know, uh, uh, people on the other side that you've turned to your cause and that you you get information out. Of, and he's not moles. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, Double agent. Indeed, he's an operative. Um, and as such, he's the guy who gets the phone call. You know, like uh, in the Bourne films, they get the phone call, turn up at Wing- uh, to Waterloo Station and try and shoot someone. That's his. That's his job. Mm. And mm. if everybody knows who he is, that kind of undermines yeah. his ability to do <laughs> yeah. that job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. Uh, on just to close out, I did watch a uh, fun video of the uh, seven like 007 reasons why the video game version of Bond is the worst Bond. And I think the crowning glory was in 007 Legends, the more recent 360 game, where it was like, uh, what if Moonraker had had Daniel Craig in it? Yeah. Um, he can't say his name right. Like the most famous way a person can ever say their name that everybody throughout the world knows. There are kids in Ghana who know how James Bond introduces himself. He, he turns up and he goes, oh, what's your name? James. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay. And then later in the game, is it, well, who are you? Bond from MI6. Yeah. Wow. How do you get that wrong and twice? Unless your remit is, let's not. He's supposed do to be that. universal exports anyway, and that's another. Yeah. You, you don't go around because according to the government, MI6 doesn't exist anyway. So you wouldn't go around telling everyone that you work for MI6 because they, exactly. they don't exist. Bond, James Bond. Oh, you're that international super spy, the man of mystery, the very well-known secret agent. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. So. Just briefly, we're going to talk about you know, uh, you know, moving on to other movies and stuff. I think also the other thing is if they choose a different actor, that gives them a reason to to explore different things. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. I mean, they definitely do it with Craig. You know, they brought him in because they wanted to do other stuff with the character. So, Yeah. And it also, it's, it's a big number. Bond 25. Stick that on the posters. Everything's great. Yeah. They, they almost got wrong-footed this time. If, if Casino Royale had been made in 2005, Quantum of Solace had the writer's strike not happened. And God damn that writer's strike been released in 2007 007 i mean it just writes itself which quantum of solace had to do because it had no writers (laughs) (sighs) okay i just before we we hang up um i did check on the respective ages of daniel craig and his various assorted um female companions and uh so far all of his Bond girls have are 35 or over. Um, mm-hmm. And considering that he's 47, that still means there's a 12-year age gap between him and, for example, Eva Green. Cashback. Um, however, uh, Leah Sedu is the youngest. She's only 30. There's 17 years between them. Okay. And Monica Bellucci is 51, which makes her four years older than him. A rare example of uh, a, a Bond girl who's older than Bond and who he actually has sex yeah. with. But then you could argue that of Hollywood generally. Age-appropriate girlfriends just don't happen. No. Yeah. It's always yeah. been the case. Mm. Especially not with Bond. Mm. Okay. Um, that was I that was found the guy's name, uh, who I oh, think yeah. it was Liam Hemsworth, who's 
Chris Hemsworth's brother. Oh, God, seriously? What? That was the one. He's a nothing. Yeah, that... Look into his eyes next time you see him in a I film, know, Gary. There's nothing behind him. I'm just saying that was the name that's been touted about because mm. I think he'll be nearly 30 or something when the next Bond movie's made. Mm. Oh, God, he looks... The, um, the Independence uh, favourite, or, or I don't know if it's theirs or if they're saying that he is the favourite at the moment, is a guy called Damien Lewis who's in Homeland. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, and I was God, looking Damien at the picture thinking, I recognise him. Where have I seen him recently? Oh, good news for you. Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, Last like scene, dispatching bleeding bottom ferrets. But I, honestly, um, uh, sorry, I've completely gone off the rails because I was trying to think of what bleeding bottom ferrets was our cover band for. <laughs> the pussycat um, dolls. The creepy weasels. Uh, the there's got to be a bag called the creepy weasels. So no, um, Homeland I'm sure is is very very good, but uh, but no, not Damien Lewis. No, he's there's he, two more names for you: Jeremy Northam, don't know him, and Greg Warriors. Oh god, oh, oh god, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be any of these guys. No, no, it's got to be people who you go. Ah, it will be someone who's known but not really, really famous. Yeah, no. they actually like do official betting shop bets. Don't I've just been trying, been trying to look for them. my money would be on Fastbender, but the odds would be pretty high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be secretive yeah. about it, and they'll announce it like, well, when will it be? Eighteen months time, I guess. Two years. Honestly, if they if their last two Bond films did really really well, they will not want to deviate from that much. So they're actually going to probably go for somebody who's kind of similar to Daniel Craig's profile anyway. If the last film bombed and they people didn't really like it at all, they would take more years off and change the formula and change a lot. Yeah. But it seems like um, although apparently this one has to make a lot of money to really break even because it was very expensive. So we'll see. Maybe they'll just. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but make it cheaper bond oh, i mean the last skyfall made a billion so i mean that's yeah. a lot of money and uh but because they i, mean, I was reading this about you know, sony basically didn't make all that much money from it because of the way that the the, the financing system in in hollywood works mm-hmm. so um it, it yeah it's it, there's a lot of money being spent a lot of money going back and forth and it's not a very economical way of putting out entertainment and then receiving returns on that entertainment because of so many people tied in with these things or you know the higher the budget you know the more more money more problems i believe is the term (laughs) yeah because everyone wants a percentage of the takings don't they and i I imagine dan jack and gets a huge amount that they they get they get plenty of money for these movies (laughs) i presume the the rights to the old bonds doesn't constantly change hands whenever no it's it's, it's dan jacks it's eon Productions, so they they own all of it apart well they own everything now because they've they've got the the stuff from the what's his name estate you know the guy who had spectre glory so they could feasibly do a remake of never say never again (laughs) They can, yeah, they could. And call it Never Say Never Again and ask Sean Connery to be yeah, in it. Yeah, Eon own everything. Want to go for the hat trick, Sean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, Eon, yeah, they are, they are the rights holders. They they produce the movies. They do everything. I mean, all that Sony or MGM do is is pony up the cash. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, the vast amounts of money that are needed to make these films, that's where you have to go. You, have to need, you need a big studio behind it to, to give you the money. But, uh, yeah, Eon will carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you know the empire that uh, Cubby built is not going anywhere. Mm. Must be. I mean, they must take a huge slice of the of the money. Yeah. So anyway, there we go. Thank you so so You're much. Welcome. For no, it's good to talk. Like I said it's good to talk about because um, nobody I know 
who I work with has seen it yet, you know, and they will keep yeah. asking me about it. And it's like, I don't want to tell them too much. Yeah. It's nicely contrasted with last week's Skyfall episode. We went into like super detail and absolutely everything. And this, this one was more sort of yeah. like, you know, I mean, as you know, you've got to watch these films several times. Oh, it's true for any movie and particularly yeah. with bomb films. Cause I think sometimes they, even from year to year, my opinions on them change because you kind of watch them yeah. in context of other things. You know, everything's relative. Yeah. Uh, all I know is that when I watched them all again this year, when I got to <laughs> tie another day, I barely made it twenty-five minutes in before I thought, "No, I can't." I can't. <laughs> Did you shut it off? I got to the bit where Jinx uh, comes out of the water, jumps into the water, you know, with a really bad CGI where she dives off the cliff. Oh, that! Mm. And I was like, "Nah." See, the <laughs> beginning of Die Another nah. Day is yeah, really good. good. The intro is, sequence yeah. is it's great. good until that point. Yes. Up until that very point, and then it just turns to complete shite. <laughs> that does include Bond actually, like, proper rutting, though, in, in the good section. And then she gets a knife out in, that would normally induce instant flockery <laughs> yes, in any yes. other guy. Like, um, yeah, could you not, like, get knives out in bed, please? That's just the way I roll. Yeah, <laughs> I actually kind of barely enjoyed um, uh, View to a Kill this time, mainly because I approached it as being just complete shit and just run with it <laughs> and i quite enjoyed it more i i quite i actually even liked um uh, grace jones in it this time i thought yeah she's just hamming it up i can kind of let her off but she is a lunatic yeah but uh yeah it's like i said every time you watch them through yeah, your opinion i like quantum of solace i had to watch that three times before i really actually like that film yeah I struggled yeah. with it the first few because i didn't know what's going on I could not well, that's follow the thing. it at like, all. Once you know what's going yeah, it's on, good. it's 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 good. But the the problem is like, and when I said that about the uh, car crashing stuff, the, that car crash, that car chase scene's really good. But when you use the same editing on a conversation, yeah. it turns it the whole thing into just unwatchable. Like, I want to say MTV movie, but it's I don't know, MTV stuff. It's, it's it's like a fucking heavy metal music video. Yeah. It does feel like a music video. A lot of it. Crash, crap, da, 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 da. It's it kind cut, of cut, took. Cut. It, they tried to you're sort of the. I think the guy, the cinematographer, was from the Bill Ball movies, wasn't he? And they, you can tell they sort of said to him, "Okay, do Ball, but we want it even faster and crazier." Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, the, the, a lot of this has to go out to the editor as well. When you the bit with the paleo, once he's got Mister White in the chair, just watch that, and when you watch it, just click your fingers and go one and two and three and four and five. That's how quickly the frame will change. It's ridiculous, and that's before the chase. Hey. Anyway, right. On that bombshell, uh, we will be back next week with Star Wars. Lots of Star Wars. <laughs> you love it, really. Okay, so, uh, and we will finish on uh, the writings on the wall. We obviously have to. So. Indeed. Thank you very much, Gary. Would you like to pimp Game Burst? Yep. Uh, you can find us at gameburst.co.uk. We are a twice weekly podcast where we mainly talk about video games and also a bit of tabletop ball gaming once a month. Uh, so we do news on Sundays and we have feature shows every Thursday. And uh, 30 minutes or your money back. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so uh, I have been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And School's, school's Out. out.
Know that I will be 